This is the None of Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robert DeLude, and it is my mission to bring you inspiring stories from entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women, students, coaches, or anyone else who is crushing it in life and doing kick-ass things. We all go through struggles. It doesn't matter what our background is, but we can overcome them. And I'm going to show you how. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. Welcome to the show, guys. I am just so honored and privileged to have you guys be listening to me in your ears each week, each day, whenever you guys tune in. just really means a lot to me um, that you guys think I can bring you value in one form of another is a true honor to me. The people that I meet on this journey is a true honor, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart the gentleman that i have on the show today mr kenny weiss he founded the greatness movement he's a coach speaker author uh and soon will be on tedx january 23rd i believe is the day so be looking for that one um this conversation that i had with kenny is different um and i mean that in the most positive way possible this is how the conversation how i want my interviews to go um and i'm honored that kenny offered his time for to make this happen um i got vulnerable i'm more vulnerable than i probably am and honest on this show um if you don't think that is even possible, uh, Kenny has some amazing tricks. His book, go check that out. Um, he gives all of his links, descriptions in the podcast. So I'm not going to waste your time so you can hear it twice. Um, go follow him on Instagram at Kenny Weiss Coach. He talks about his childhood traumas, him being a pro athlete. Just an amazing episode um yeah just hope you guys enjoy have a great weekend i love you So, who are you? What do you do? My name's Kenny Weiss. I'm a uh, life coach, speaker, author, um, podcast host, and I founded something called The Greatness Movement. Mm. Let's talk about The Greatness Movement. What is that? Well, uh, it really has two purposes. Um, You know, it kind of goes back to my story and why I got here, but, you know, there's a couple things I noticed. One, we're not taught a single thing about how to be a parent, how to have relationships or how to deal with our emotions. The three things that govern everything we do in our life. We'll go become an expert in anything, but those things. And we're all like, well, I know what to do. And, and I'm like, you know, I use the analogy of Tom Brady 
some people might say he's the greatest athlete that ever lived. And he's had coaches in all different disciplines for 40 years. And yet he still fumbles interceptions and completions daily. Mm-hmm. None of us have had coaches on any of this. And yet we think our childhood and everything was fine. And I'm like, <laughs> um, okay, let me, let me know how that works out for you. Um, so it, none of us are bad, but as a society, we just, for centuries, we haven't wanted to deal with this and talk about it. So the first part is just breaking, you know, breaking that down and giving people the skills, tools, and information. And that leads to the second, which to me is the deeper piece. There's such a fear and societal bias about talking about any of that, dealing with it, going to become an expert on any of it. And you can, we can bring up any societal topic you want, and it all goes back to childhood pain. And so I'd love to see that dynamic flipped where instead of right now, everyone just denies it, doesn't want to deal with it. What would happen societally if we flipped that and we all went and became experts in the pain we've suffered in the imperfections, you know, of our parents and ourselves. If you want to, you want to deal with a societal issue, guns, whatever it is, fix that first. And so that's ultimately to me, that's the deeper thing is, I, th- I think it's time as a society we grow and we start, you know, taking that head on. And so that, that really is the deeper passion of mine. So why did you get into that? Well, it, I mean, I'll give you kind of the short bio as a kid. I just, I was born, I could walk in a room and feel what was going on with people and just something I've always been able to do. But again, we don't teach about that stuff. My parents were 16 and 18 when they're married, 21 and 23 with four kids. Like, wow, that's insane. And so my parents had no skills. They're not Mm -hmm. bad people. But at the age of 10, I woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, open up the door, and there's my mom passed out naked on the toilet. It's the day I found out she was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And you think about it. Like, how did you cope with that at that age? um, I, I didn't we're not taught how. And then, you know, my dad's remedy was don't talk about it, don't deal with it and put her in positions to try and embarrass her um, to hopefully Mm -hmm. get her to quit drinking. And so I was on an Island and here I am a person who can feel a lot and I was overwhelmed. So from there I went through multiple addictions, two horrific divorces. My first wife was physically and verbally abusive. Um, mm-hmm. horrific child custody battle, bankruptcy. I played two pro sports. I see I never wanted to play. And then finally I spent three days holed up in my apartment contemplating suicide. And I could write about the pain I was in. That part was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, writing to my kids. And what tripped me up was when I went to justify the choice. And because of my ability to feel, because of my childhood, all of that, I was fascinated. One, why can I do this? And two, I feel like I'm a fairly smart guy. Why am I such a train wreck? Like I'm a mess. Look at my life. And so God in my twenties, you know, I've been studying psychology, going to seminars, counselors, books, all of it. And so every sentence I try and write, honestly, I knew too much psychology. I'm like, that's transference. That's codependence. Like I couldn't, I couldn't justify the choice. And what saved my life was all that personal work I'd done. But The other thing that hit me in that moment is I'm like, I've spent all these years chasing this, trying to find the answer. I shouldn't be here. And that's Mm -hmm. when I went back in my office and I wrote down, I want to come up with a process nobody else has discovered that'll fundamentally change society. Well, we just talked about 
the society piece, what I'm trying to do there with the greatness movement. The process is something I discovered I wrote about in my book, Your Journey to Success. I call it the worst day cycle. It's, um, there isn't a single person on this planet who's not stuck in it. I can sit with anyone in a couple minutes and whatever your career is, wherever your life is, it all goes back to childhood trauma. That's it. You become your trauma. I liken it to a 3D movie. You ever watch a 3D movie without the glasses? Yes. You know how the, the colors are twisted, the images yeah. are twisted, but you kind of know what's going on. That's interesting. Well, that's yeah. literally how everybody lives their life. What they don't realize is they're living life without the glasses. And every friendship, every career, every hobby, every relationship, every literally every choice we ever make, all we're ever doing is reliving our trauma right in front of our eyes. Because here's why. When trauma happens to us, we're powerless. Like there's nothing we can do. And so the reason we all choose this is because it gives us our power back. If I choose a bad relationship, well, who chose it? Like everyone says, oh, you know, the other sex is the problem. I'm like, like, let's take women. They don't initiate relationships. They get hit on a hundred to thousands of times a year, yet they pick this guy and they want to blame the guy. Mm -hmm. No, you pick them and guys, vice versa. So yeah, for sure. all we're ever doing is replaying our trauma right back in front of our eyes, screaming at us what we need to deal with what we need to address, these are all the societal things we don't want to talk about, to overcome it and live in what I call our greatness, but what are we missing? The glasses. Well, my book shows you, like you, you literally, you read my book and you're like, oh my God, now I know why I picked her, why I have this career, everything makes sense. Well, now you can go back, rework that original trauma, because it's not just why, that was the other frustration I had, most of the self-help stuff tells you why, but it gives you very superficial answers. Nobody wants to talk about this. And that's what, when I started doing the research on the science, I'm like, oh my God, like this is so obvious. Why isn't anyone talking about it? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the bias. So that's the niche I decided to step into is I, I, my clients have been to all the seminars, counselors, everything they've grown, learned, but they wake up like I did and go something, I'm missing something. And they find my stuff and they go, oh, period. So do you have like three tips or like, what's the, like the three-step process if you have one when you first sit down with a client? That's individualized. It depends where each client is and mm. what they're coming to me for. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, first, the first part of the process is massive awareness. Over 80% of people think their childhood is perfect. Almost 70% of people don't even feel they, you ask them how they feel, oh, I'm fine. Like they're detached because of trauma mm -hmm. and because of our society, there's a lot of things. And what people don't realize, there's another problem with the, the personal development field is everyone thinks it's thought-based. Well, that's not even how your brain and body works. You feel before you ever think. Every thought is a byproduct of what you feel, yet everyone's trying to get you to think and talk positive. Well, until you can shift the way you feel, you're out. Let me prove it to you. Did you play sports growing up? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything competitive? Um, I played football and basketball. Okay. Do you remember the experience before a game? You're driving to the game and you're like, I'm going to kill it today. Like I can feel it. I'm just, there's no way they can. What position did you play? Uh, I was, uh, I think, a uh, wide receiver. Yeah. Wide receiver. Okay. 
you know that. Okay, so you're standing at the line and you know this play is designed for you. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, I'm going to score. I know it. Like they can't stop you. And you, you know, you practice, you've done everything, you go out, you have a great game. Everything works out. You believed in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Well, conversely, the next week, same thing, practice, nothing's different, but now you're standing, they've called that same play and you go, oh no, uh, no, this isn't going to go good. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to fail here. Well, conventional wisdom is stop, think positive, just do it right the night philosophy be a grinder go go you know yeah yeah does that work no and this is like i read countless books on belief mm -hmm. not a single one of them tells you how to believe in yourself they just tell stories of people who didn't believe then they did and all of a sudden their life got great well i just proved to you how to create belief in the first instance your feelings and your thoughts lined up in the second your feelings didn't match your thoughts yet everyone wants you to and, and in the second one you tried to talk positive but it didn't change the way you felt and the feeling drove your behavior and so that's the thing is until you can shift the way you feel which is mostly predicated on childhood trauma good luck so are you saying feelings are facts or feelings are not facts no feelings are facts definitely now feelings can get distorted you can have what happens with feelings with us now you and i sitting here right now is they are colored by previous traumatic feelings so in this moment they may not be fact but they are an indication of a previous fact that's happened i mean the proof of that is infants smile 400 times a day adults less than 20. well mm -hmm. that shows you the amount of trauma we go through through throughout childhood we no longer feel a sense of positive, feel a sense of our worth. And it slowly degrades because of trauma. And so that's the difference as we age. Yes, most of our feelings are not fact. They're predicated, they're originated from previous trauma that we've never dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're projecting that into the moment. So it's a, the, the real answer to your question is a bit of both. A bit yeah. of both. Okay. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. So obviously like you walking in on your mom being passed out naked on the floor like that's probably pretty dramatic yeah. and caused a lot of pain and suffering like and then going through your multiple addictions like how did before you came with the greatness movement like how did you overcome those processes um well i the one thing i want to do before i get into that is People make the mistake and they grade trauma and they like, even they read my book, even though I tell it afterwards, I tell that story and people go, well, I didn't go through that. I didn't go through trauma. What people have to realize is let's say your mom and dad just yelled at you and mm -hmm. that's the worst thing you ever experienced. Well, our brain and body, it doesn't matter the level, you know, people want to put levels to their trauma and that's how they minimize it. That's one of the denial mechanisms we use. We compare and go, well, I didn't go through that. So I shouldn't complain. My life's fine. That's not true. Your brain and body, everyone's brain and body has the exact same chemical reaction to trauma. So yelling might be your worst experience. Whereas finding my mom, there's no difference between the two in either of us. Okay. So that's one thing is people will discount and go, well, I didn't go through anything bad. And I'm like, oh, yes, you did. If all you went through is being yelled at, 
That's just as bad as what I went through my mom. Yeah, it's another form of abuse. It is. It is. I, I, here, let me show you a simple example. I was reaching into the fridge as a kid to grab cottage cheese. I was hungry. And my mom goes, no, 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 no. That's for the dogs. Well, what my mom meant was when the dogs were sick, she used the cottage cheese to hide the dog's pills. Mm -hmm. What I heard as a kid is, if you eat, you get yelled at. If you eat, mom doesn't love you. And oh, by the way, in this house, we feed the dogs before we feed the kids. Mm -hmm. That's not what my mom said, but because we don't teach how to parent and how to handle certain things, my mom got afraid. She lashed out, dumped shame into me. I mean, I'll stay out of the intricacies. It's all in my book of how that creates a cycle. Well, here's, here's what happens in that moment. For me, we're, we are the only species on the planet that requires attachment to survive. Mm -hmm. We can be born, put us in a crib, but unless we physically and emotionally attach, we will die. So it, the other thing we need is the authentic pursuit of ourselves. Well, in that moment, I'm in a dilemma. If I pursue my authenticity, eat, I'm hungry, what do I lose? Attachment. And so throughout childhood, we're faced with this dilemma because our parents don't know how, we haven't taught them how to create attachment. So we all drop our authenticity, who we really are. Mm -hmm. So for the next 30 years, I literally, I lived off three big gulps a day and something chocolate. If you ask me if I wanted to eat, I'm playing pro hockey. Pro hockey. Pro hockey, and that was your diet? That's what I'm eating. People ask me, do you want to go eat? And I would say, God, I hate eating. It bores me to death. Well, that's the maladaptive coping skill. We, this is what starts. Everyone has multiple worst day cycles. So right there, I realized, wait a minute. If I pursue me, I lose this. So I'm going to, I'm going to suppress who I am. I'm going to become someone who eats. That's why I say most people, who they think they are, it's not who you are. It's all maladaptive. That's why I say I never wanted to play those sports. They're all maladaptive coping skills to try and create attachment and they always boomerang back against you and mm. that's why i mean gallup did a poll in 2016 found that 87.6 percent of all the people on the planet are unhappy that's the worst day cycle everyone's reliving their trauma against themselves and they don't know so when i hear people say i'm a this i'm a that what you're really telling me is the trauma you went through in childhood and how you use that to cope with it because people are unaware of this process. Mm, so just hypothetical situation. If somebody's saying I'm a doctor, they're identifying themselves as a doctor. And if you take that doctor doctorate away from them, then they're absolutely nothing. No, what I'm saying is they became a doctor to reconcile some sort of trauma they went through in childhood. Mm, okay, okay. That's why they did it. And so that you know, Gallup has done polls for decades. Only seven percent of the population is truly satisfied, fully satisfied at work. That means ninety-three percent of the population is living the worst day cycle against them. Mm -hmm. So they may be one where no, this is authentically what they wanted. But most people know this is adapted to please mom and dad to you know find out uh, whatever. Like for me. Um, as I see now, the only reason I played pro hockey was, well, there were three reasons. I won't get into all of them, but one of them was this. And this is the 3D movie analogy. This is what helped me see it. Like you asked earlier, how did I recover from this? Well, I became hyper aware. I gutted myself 
I've been gutting myself for 30 years trying to figure all this out. I have a newspaper article in my office from 32 years ago. The title of it says, Sibling Rivalry Led to Ice Proficiency for Brothers. It's an article of my older brother. He, mm. he was four years older and he turned professional four years before I did. He had just signed with the New York Islanders. A couple years later, I was going to. Well, the first two paragraphs talk about how my older brother used to beat me up nonstop and how it says something like, even lawn furniture and knives thrown in his brother's direction couldn't stop Tom, was my brother's name. But Kenny figured something out. When his brother would force him into the net, I became a goalie. When his brother would force him into the net and shoot frozen tennis balls at his head, he figured out a solution. If he stopped him, it would piss his brother off. The only reason I ever became a professional goalie and stood in front of a hard rubber disc going over 100 miles an hour was to try and beat up my older brother. And now, listen to every single athlete when they talk about why they're playing their sport, they're gonna tell you about some sort of childhood event. And you'll see, you wonder why all of them blow their lives up, whether they're playing, look at Antonio Brown, all these people, they just self-destruct. Because it's not who they really are. It's a maladaptive coping skill they're trying to work out the trauma they're stuck in, but it's working against them. And that's why so many athletes lose all their money. Everything blows up because it's not authentically, like they may be gifted and want, it, mm -hmm. want to do it, but they're trying to exercise trauma and mm -hmm. they don't know it. They're missing the glasses. Mm. And it's when you learn this stuff, if you read my book and stuff, like literally, like I know real estate, if you're in real estate, it's pretty simple. You either moved a lot, you moved in influential time, there's pure chaos in your house. So what does that mean? What's the process of buying and selling homes? Pure chaos, you're reliving it, trying to reconcile. Now, when you do the work, you'll discover, does this work for me or against me? What I realized is almost all of my choices were working against me. That's why I was suicidal. Well, now that I realize, see my, <clears throat> Because of my ability to feel, I reminded my dad of his dad. See, my grandfather started, kind of made his fortune by teaching uh, Dale Carnegie win friends and influence people way back when it started. Oh, wow. So my dad, in a sense, was a, my grandfather was, a, in a sense, like me. Well, guess what? My grandfather's teaching that stuff, yet he's beating my father for not finishing his dinner. So my dad went, whoa, this psychology, self-help stuff, want nothing to do with it. His maladaptive coping skill became to become an engineer, completely emotionalist. It's not like, as I watched my dad die, when I figured all this out, I went, oh my God, my dad's me. He's more gifted than I am, but he doesn't even know it. He hasn't lived his life, his purpose. It was like heartbreaking, but also eye-opening at the same time. And my whole life, I went, oh my God, the re my dad adored me. My dad saw himself in me, but he couldn't live in his authentic self because remember what we're forced to choose, mm -hmm. authenticity or attachment. He had to drop that. And so my dad saw himself in me. It wasn't that my dad hated me the way he cut my legs out from under me all the time. My yeah. dad was taking out his own pain on me. No one had taught him this. Well, that's heartbreaking. And see, that's what happens when you figure this out and you go back and see how damaging your parents were you actually forgive them, like you gain a closeness to them that you never had, ever in childhood. Mm. Because you finally see them and see yourself for who you truly are. That's true attachment. 
Mm, that's deep. I like that. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, that's, and, and you, that's the thing. That's why the title of my book is your journey. Every self-help out, stuff out there is a three day adrenaline event, 21 days, turn your life around. I want everyone to go to it because you're going to have a wonderful experience. You're going to feel amazing, but you will not recover. You will not turn your life around. You will make a step towards it. This is a long, long journey. Hey guys, I just want to take a break from this amazing episode. And I know the new year's resolution thoughts are probably coming up. And if you're not really sure on maybe where you want to go with your fitness goals or you're just starting out, well, go over to Facebook, go over to Instagram, get Michael Chauncey um, on Facebook. Her Instagram tag is Tyler Michael Chauncey. The spellings will be on the show notes. But if you want someone who will listen to your needs and give you step-by-step instructions and push you to your limit, but in a loving way, then I highly recommend Tyler Michael Chauncey. You know, a couple weeks ago, I just didn't want to go to the gym. I didn't want to. But after my phone call with Michael, I don't even think she knew it. But after our phone call, she got me in the gym and I killed my leg workout. And that's why I, that is one of thousands reasons why I strongly believe that Michael Chauncey can be your online personal trainer. Let her know that you're listening to this podcast and Robert DeLude sent you. Everything will be in the show notes, guys. I'm going to let you get back to this episode. I love you and have a great weekend. Brokenness, elements of my pain, I never wanted to go near. And that was my only option. I had to go towards it. And as soon as I did that, poof, everything fell apart. So instead of like going through your life and just putting a Band-Aid over a wound, you really open that wound up and heal it from the inside out. It's the only way. It's the only way. Yeah, and, and most of the things, you know, I call it this, the, the positive movement. Everyone think positive, talk positive, don't be around anyone negative. There's an old parable. <clears throat> there was a man who lost his keys. And he's outside at night looking under, you know, he's under a street lamp and looking for his keys. And a lady walks by and says, what are you doing? And he tells her, well, I'm looking for my keys. And she said, well, where'd you lose them? And he said, well, I lost them in my house. And she said, well, why are you looking out here on the street? And he goes, well, cause the house is dark. <laughs> That's how we all live our life. We want to stay in this positive meme. Oh, be, you know, don't go near our past is the past, all that. No, our, all of our houses are dark. And until you take the light in there, you're stuck. And that's, I mean, look at society today. There's a hell of a lot of people out on the street, underneath the lamp, avoiding that dark house. And that, in my experience, that's the only, only way to truly get out of this. Why do you think society puts such a negative stigma 
and puts us in a box of don't talk about your emotions, don't talk about your trauma, don't talk about your imperfections. Why do you think we do that? Some of that started in the 1600s with the church and Descartes. Descartes tried to go into um, psychology and emotions, and the church said, uh uh, that's mm -hmm. our domain. You just stay with science. So he was the first to attempt it. And, and the church, you know, I mean, I, I'm not putting church down, but mm -hmm. it's, it's an emotional process that they want you to buy into. And I'm not saying don't believe, I'm not condemning church, but it, it, that's, they want your salvation to be through them. And so there's an aspect of control there. The other aspect, though, you have to realize is the science of psychology is only about 150 years old. The first book wasn't written until the 1870s. Then you had Freud in the early 1900s and other great people. But really, it was only until the 1970s with the advent of Donahue, Phil Donahue, Oprah Winfrey, you know, all the shock jocks, you know, Morton Downey Jr., where all of a sudden, it sort of became okay to talk about your stuff. Mm. Like we never did as a society. I mean, you never shared anything. So realistically, in the last 50 years, we have just started scratching the surface of looking at emotions, looking at parenting, looking at any of this. Like in the evolution of the species, the hundreds of millions of years, we are at the very beginning like we haven't even discovered fire or tools or the earth is is round like that's how immature we are as a species emotionally and in what we know about emotions because we haven't really investigated and so we've been trained for thousands of years don't go there you mm -hmm. just don't go there and and so most of it is a yeah i mean think of how long it's taken to beat back racism hundreds yeah. of years and we're still struggling with it yeah so this this what i'm advocating which is basically in the opposite direction of everybody in this field it's going to take a long time for people to accept that i'll never see the acceptance of it but i i know it's true and the science i put the science in the book that backs it up um that shows based on what we know scientifically how the brain and body works also the studies the adverse childhood experience study all the information that's out there, it's patently obvious based on our understanding. But any new idea, that's also how our brain works. See, the set, if we've never heard something, seen it, touched it, tasted it, or felt it, every bit of information, and this is why we feel before we think, every bit of information we ever take in, the first place it hits is our thalamus. That's the emotional center of our brain. If it's anything new, it hits our amygdala. That's our fear center. So I, know, I already know when I speak, when I come on these shows, most people are in fight, flight, or freeze because they've never heard it. It's challenging all their long-held beliefs and everything. So they're not even into cognition because that's what happens when your amygdala fired. It shuts blow, blood flow off to the front part of your brain where you can use critical thinking and all of that. Everyone is stuck emotionally in what I'm saying, they can't even process it. That's why I tell everyone with my book, my book is a book you have to read three to five times a year for many years because of the amygdala and other parts of the thalamus that I won't get into. The next place it goes, it draws on previous emotional events. So what people don't realize is you are always having an emotional reaction to everything in your life before you ever think. 
And yet everyone in this industry is trying to get you to think, I'm like, you're going in the wrong direction. Until we go back and deal with the feelings that are stored in our brain and body that are then creating the thoughts, I mean, you'll get, you'll get some improvement, but you'll never get true clarity, true peace, and a true understanding of who you are and what you're meant to do until you clean up the emotion. That's scientifically proven by what we know so far. Mm, that's, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> so how long did you play uh, professional hockey for? Uh, I was like 27 or 28. Um, and that's another, I, if you want that story, that's another story of how the cycle works. Um, I was playing and I'll never forget the season ended and uh, I'm bored. I'm on the plane and I'm looking out the window just before the plane takes off. And I was in the minor leagues and I, I look out the window and I was like, Kenny, you're good enough. You're that good. Whatever you do, you're that good. You're going to make it. Whatever you do, don't get messed up with a woman this summer. Three weeks later, I was engaged. Four months, four months later, I go to training camp. I'm there with two other goalies. One ended up playing parts of six years in the NHL. The other one had just come off winning the Olympic gold medal and played 14 years in the NHL. Coach pulls me aside, says I'm better than both of them. But my fiance is like, look, this hockey thing's kind of cool, you know, but traveling, women, I don't know if it, if it will work out. So what did I do? I quit. Oh, man. Now, now, why did I quit? Because she was your source of love? No, there's no such, <laughs> there's no love in this relationship. It was dual manipulation. What we, most of us think is love is, that's a whole nother show on codependence and love addiction. Our model for love isn't love. It's, it's what we think is love is massive love addiction and codependence. Yeah, but for sure. Talk about that some other time. But the, the reason is, remember, I said I never wanted to play hockey. Mm -hmm. and this is the worst day cycle. This is what we do. We, we set up our own victimization because it gives us our power back. So there were two other reasons I didn't want to play um, hockey ha having to do with my dad. I won't get into that. But so I picked somebody who would give me the option to quit. And then, and this is why we all victimize ourselves because then I can play the victim. Well, look at me. I'm this wonderful man. I gave up, I gave up hockey for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's why we pick terrible relationships and careers because just post on social media, I get 300 people going, Oh, you poor thing. You're so yeah. right. Yeah. And so look at how much power I get. I don't have to be responsible for how I'm setting up my failure. I don't have to do anything. I make all of you more responsible and all of you care more about fixing my problem than I do. Why yeah. don't I pick that up? Right. All the power. Mm -hmm. So from there, why would I pick someone? Um, in that marriage, let me tell you a little bit more about that marriage. In that marriage, um, uh, we had intimacy. In, in 10 years, we had 12 instances of intimacy. An instance of intimacy would include, could include kind words, any type of a physical touch, or any type of a sexual act. So there were only 12 in 10 years. Any mix of that. The last instance of intimacy in our marriage was about two, two and a half years before it ended, 
we're getting ready to go to dinner and, and I'm standing by the front door and she goes, your butt looks good in those jeans, okay? The other thing with the abuse, so why would I pick someone like this? Well, look at it. Why would I pick somebody who um, isn't capable of sex because of her own worst day cycle? Well, remember how all this started? At 10 years old, I woke up in the middle of the night, found my mom passed out naked on the toilet. I was sober at this point. I slept with everyone and everything when I was drunk. Now I'm sober. I couldn't have sex. Mm -hmm. So I picked somebody who, because of her own cycle, couldn't have it either. And again, I could play the victim. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to avoid my pain. Why did I pick someone who's abusive? Well, you think of this. Old, my older brother used to hold me by my head and beat the crap out of me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. I was completely frozen. Well, I hope you haven't had this experience, but have you ever been hit by a woman? Yeah, I, I have. Completely frozen. Right? Yeah. Not a damn thing you can do. See, I, I used her. I manipulated her to relive my abuse against myself. I chose it. And that's why I'm not a fan of the Me Too generation because I can sit with any person. I'm not condoning abuse but I can sit with any person and when they do the work, they'll see because of what they went through in childhood, they put themselves in a position to relive the abuse. I haven't seen anyone where it's not the case. If they do the work and they're honest with themselves, they're reliving it just like I did. It doesn't excuse the other person hitting you, but until you can own that, you're never free. You are always a prisoner to the abuse. Wow, that's and interesting. That's Everyone, like, listen to their stories. Ask, you get someone who's been abused, they won't want to go down here. They're in too much denial. But ask them about their childhood. And I guarantee you're going to find out they went through similar abuse in childhood. Some sort of degrading aspect, that devaluing, degrading thing, and boom. That's why they were attracted. That's how our brains work. That's what happens in the worst day cycle. There's a chemical reaction that forms in our brain and body. We become addicted to looking for it. I can put someone in a room with 10,000 people. I know exactly who they'll pick. Wow, that's really interesting. Back in 2018, I was in the worst relationship of my life. Physically abusive, mentally abusive, spiritually abusive. We uh, both met in a 12-step program. We both relapsed. We ended up homeless in Vegas and she would cheat on me beat me. Like it was absolutely terrible. And now like I'm trying to rewrite the script in my head um, and change the event. Do you want to try and, I mean, I don't want to put you on the counseling chair right here, but if you're willing to be vulnerable, I can help you find it. Oh yeah. No, I like, this is what my podcast is about is being vulnerable. Then, okay. Then start with, the over what's the overwhelming feeling you had when you were with her in in all that the overwhelming feel that i wasn't good enough that she was gonna leave okay first thing that comes to your mind tell me the first memory it could be yesterday like don't filter it first right. thing that comes to your mind what's your first memory of not feeling good enough uh sixth grade i wore too much uh sun tanning lotion I put like on a bottle. I was basically an orange Oompa Loompa and everyone made fun of me. Okay. And what resulted from that? Uh, I got bullied. I got picked bullied. on. I got beat up. Wow. How'd you bullied, picked on, beat up? Yeah. Wow. Doesn't that sound a lot like your girlfriend? Wow. Like, see, it's like, it's foolproof. Everyone does it. 
This is the cycle. You just proved it. I can sit with anyone and in two seconds right here, it's just like, it's that easy. Wow. And I'm like, why won't anyone talk about this? Because unless you know that, you can go to, I don't want to disparage people. You can go to all the great teachers that are out there with all the great books. We know all their names, but they won't teach you this. And that's why it doesn't work. That's why everyone's stuck. It's that easy, but you have to be willing. That's what, see, I commend you. You got a boatload of guts to be willing to open yourself up to your whole audience, just like you did. Cause most people won't do that. That's that dark house from the parable. They don't want to know that truth. Well, it's, I mean, and we could go on and on and you'll see there are tons of events in your childhood. They'll all mirror that girlfriend. And what you'll see is thank God for that girlfriend. This is the 3d movie. You picked her to show you the abuse you went through in childhood. She's your savior, your teacher. You just missed the glasses. You didn't know. That's why in relationships, whatever the problem is, like get excited. If whatever they're pissing you off, the whole reason they're there is to show you a part of yourself you haven't dealt with. It's never about them, ever. Literally, ever. They're never the problem. Whatever you hate in that person, judge, blame, criticize, the only reason you do that is because it's you. And you're screaming at yourself to deal with it. But nobody's giving you the glasses. And and like you can see, I'm very passionate. I get so excited because yeah. I like I see right there, it's boom, you're like just changed like that. Now you can get to the solution. But you've been probably been trying all these co what I call cognitive patches, workarounds, think, change the story, all that stuff. Yeah, most definitely. It doesn't work. It's it, it doesn't. You're just putting a cognitive patch over a gaping open heart surgery. Wow. Yeah. That's really it's interesting. Like, like because of that relationship is like why I started this podcast. It was one you you don't really talk about, you don't really hear about men getting beaten by women. You don't really talk about men being vulnerable. You don't talk about men opening up and want that self-development. You just, you just don't. A yeah. lot more women do and a lot like there are people doing it. But my purpose comes from my pain and me being overdosing and waking up in the ICU because I couldn't get my source of love out of jail. Yeah. I tried to kill myself. And like, I've been working on the self-development, but like in a matter of 20 seconds, you just gave me an entire new perspective. Every single one of my clients, they've been to all those great conferences, all those, you know, there are a lot of forums, you know, where, you know, groups and things, you know, we all know the names, counselors, all of that. And this is the experience I have with everybody. They've, they've done all this work and in 20 seconds, they're like, oh my God, my life makes sense. Yeah. Teaches this stuff. It's, it's like, it's, it's heartbreaking to me. And that's the, that's the skills, tools, and knowledge aspect of the greatness movement right there. The next thing is breaking down the bias to have this discussion. Yeah. And what's heartbreaking is, I mean, I agree with you. Mostly men haven't wanted to talk, but with the shift in society, women aren't talking anymore because we've made women into men, the whole boss bitch movement. And, you know, in their attempt to get equality, Look at every single TV commercial, every movie, everything. You might be a little too young. Do you remember the old show, All in the Family, Archie Bunker? No. Oh, Google it, please. Okay. It is pure misogyny. He's a racist, homophobe, uh, misogynist, but it's really? done. Oh yeah, it's done in humor. This was, this was the most popular show in the 70s on TV. Okay. All right, it's called All in the Family. 
And the whole show, he just sits in his chair, belittles his, literally, she's a dumb wife, she acts stupid, the black neighbor, his son, and, and, and daughter who are, you know, 60s counterculture, you know, the, and he calls them fags, and like he uses words we're not allowed to use anymore. That was yeah. on TV. Well, wow. look at TV now, it's the exact reverse. Every commercial, everything, the man is a complete buffoon, complete idiot, only the woman has the answer. Yeah. What the women's movement has done is they have gone and become men. And now they're shaming men just like men did to them. And this is all, all it is, we're both sides taking out the worst day cycle on each other. And now they've just traded positions. Mm -hmm. So do you say, do you, with that, do you think the only solution is both sexes working on the greatness movement? Well, that sounds very self-serving. I, I don't, that sounds, what I would prefer to say is, what it takes is a society that's willing to go become an expert in how traumatized we all were in childhood and how much pain we all are in on a minute by minute basis. We are all in massive, massive denial. Massive. If Look at it. If over 80% of the population thinks their childhood was great with no coaching or teaching, that's massive denial. 87.6% of the population is unhappy. That's a level of denial that's beyond racism, the Holocaust, the Vietnam War, any social inequity you can think of. If 87.6% of the people are unhappy and not willing to go face their denial and the pain they're in, that's denial beyond any epic illness, in this this the world has ever seen mm -hmm. that's what i'm advocating the, the only way out of this is to become expert in denial and that's what i you're open that the reason i could i could show it to you so quick is you're like i'm done with denial denial is what was killing you you got so broken you're like denial doesn't work give me anything i won't deal with this mm -hmm. <laughs> and so i could you know there are a lot of clients they won't allow themselves to see that truth that quickly mm. yeah that makes sense it's yeah. still trying to still have that shame or they don't know that they have that shame and they don't want to open up which it's the attachment authenticity gap that creates the that denial mm -hmm. remember childhood yeah. if i go pursue myself i lose attachment so what happens in adulthood here's what i'm asking people to confront this is what's difficult about this process is first there are four stages to the cycle trauma which sends you into fear i won't go into all of it it's too long but trauma fear the third feeling is sh or experience is shame that's the third leg of it and in shame we develop false personas this is where someone says i'm an athlete i'm this i'm that that's the dropping of authenticity for attachment mm -hmm. so we think we think this is who we are and it's not mm -hmm. And when you learn about this stuff, that sends us into denial. Because look at what I'm asking you to confront. One, who you think you are isn't you. You didn't mm -hmm. love this woman. She was a proxy for you to learn about your childhood pain. No. Ooh, wow. Or like me, I'm not an athlete. I'm not this. I'm not that. Whether you're 20, 30, 60 years old, who wants to go, wait a minute, I'm not who I think I am. Screw you, Kenny. I've been living my life believing I'm somebody who doesn't eat. 
who's a pro athlete, who's, I don't care what you want to call yourself. Whoa, well, if this isn't me, who am I? Denial, start the cycle all over again. Mm -hmm. That's only the first half I'm asking you to confront. The second and the most devastating is remember why we dropped our authenticity to attach to our parents. So if you confront your denial and admit you aren't who you think you are, what that also means subconsciously is, wait a minute, if I'm not this person, then I don't have any connection to my parents because I, can't, I became this person so my parents would love me. Like me dropping eating, yeah. I actually eat. Oh my God, mom won't love me. I can't have that. Denial, start the cycle all over. And that's why I say, I tell, talk about this in my book, there is no such thing as the fear of failure. It's the biggest lie and misnomer out there. Because every single one of us has had the experience of laying in bed, we know exactly what to do, right? I gotta send these emails, I'd make more money. I gotta get up, whatever it is. But what happens? I don't feel like it. Remember, that's a feeling. Mm -hmm. We all, we lay there and go, ah, oh, I just don't feel like it. In that moment, you chose failure. You're not afraid of it. You know exactly what's going to happen. And you what jumped right into it. Exactly. What you're scared to death of is success. Because if I actually did it, I'd get it. And what would I lose? If I succeed, this is why people are afraid of success. If I grow past, if I become somebody who eats, if I become what I am and what I do, what do I lose? Attachment to my parents. Because I, I dropped all this to keep attachment. If I grow past it and succeed, now I'm nothing. That's why people don't succeed. Mm -hmm. It's always that attachment authenticity bind and the worst day cycle. And so they repeatedly set up their own victimization to stay attached to the, the trauma they went through in childhood. Wow. You yeah. answered a lot of my questions that I already had with me not even asking them. I love it. I love how passionate you are about this. Yeah. I get a little um, too much Scott. coffee this morning. What's that? Too much coffee this morning. Yeah, that's all right. No, I love how passionate you are. And the you. what you're doing is awesome. Um, so what do you get when you work with a client? Like, what does that do for you personally? Um, it helps me recover from my trauma. There you go. So I got a couple last questions for you. Yeah. One, where can people find you? Sure. The easiest thing is just Google Kenny Weiss, W-E-I-S-S. -S. From there, you'll see the link to my to Amazon for my book, uh, Your Journey to Success, my LinkedIn profile, my Facebook profile, Instagram profile, um, my website, which is www.thegreatnessmovement.com, um, my YouTube channel, just search Kenny Weiss. I have like 200 videos that teach you this whole process and bunch of other things. My podcast will come up, which is called The Greatness Movement. I do it live every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Um, on both Facebook and YouTube. That's Arizona time. I don't have guests because you're the first person I've ever run into, whether it's a guest or whatever, that would get deep enough that would really talk about this stuff. And, oh, really? and I, I tried it in the beginning and people, oh yeah, I'll tell you everything. And they wouldn't go near any of it. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. So yeah. I just go solo and I talk about principles or, or ex things people are struggling with and go, here's why, here's the deeper answer. So, um, but the, like I said, the best thing to do is just Google Kenny Weiss, my Google reviews. Um, you know, if you're looking for someone to help you, I'm the highest rated, most reviewed uh, coach in all of Arizona. 
I work with people all across the country. Um, so you can see I have 60 some reviews or I think is what it's at uh, on Google. But yeah, if you just Google me, everything populates and then pick and choose what matters to you, what you're interested in. And, um, you know, if you want to get in touch or, or just, um, lurk from the shadows and, and get help for free. I, I, please pimp my YouTube channel. Just, just start learning about this stuff. Your life will get better. Right on. Love it. All right. Final question. What is your message to the world? Um, I would say my message to the world is go become an expert in your pain. Go, like, just turn. It's that parable. You're standing under the street light. Like, just turn towards that house. I, I'm, I'm telling you what, here's what people don't realize. See if I can find a piece of paper. Their biggest fear is to go into that house. And what I discovered is once you go in there, once you become an expert in your denial and the worst day cycle, and you confront all of this, what you realize, you see, for people listening, they won't see this. I'm holding up a piece of paper that literally you are that far away from everything you wanted in your life. It's, it's literally that far away, but there are aspects because of that attachment, authenticity, the worst day cycle, things you just haven't wanted to go towards. And once you do, like you get on, I call it getting to the other side. And my clients are like, I get it now, man, it was right there. I just had to finally, like you, you were, look what happened to you. Yeah. You, you, you killed yourself enough that you want, I'm willing to do anything. And once you let go, once you drop, what you're, we're all trying to do is get our power through controlling and making our life suck. What saved my life is similar to yours. I woke up and I want, I won't hurt anymore. If, if the choice, you know, and for me, it was about controlling things. And once I let that go, I realized, oh my God, life is so easy. And I was this far away from it, but I just didn't want to let it go. Yeah. And so that that's the message is you're so close to it. literally you're so close to it just make the choice that's awesome love it you know i love what you're doing um you're obviously really passionate about what you do i appreciate you open up and being vulnerable yeah, you bet. yeah that, that's really awesome so thank you again kenny I, I it was an honor to meet you honor to have you on and well, uh, thank you for your like i can't impress upon like your listeners what you did takes guts to you. open yourself up like that to your audience because look, they're looking to you for solutions and, and you get placed on a pedestal of, oh, I know everything. Well, to make the choice to go, I don't know everything and I'm willing to, to put myself, to open myself, you became a leader for all of them of, wait a minute, it's not so bad, it's not so scary. Did you see the smile on your face when you saw the answer? No, I didn't, but watch the video. Okay. Watch how you lit up. And that's what see, that's what people miss. When you confront denial and you see it, it's truth. That's true self-esteem. Everyone, and that's what I'm saying. Everyone's fighting. I don't want to go see the darkness, but watch the video of what happened to you when you saw truth. Boom, you're just lit up. That's true self-love, true self-esteem. And the only way you get that is to go headfirst into your denial like you did. And so your listeners are blessed. They have you leading them, talking to them, because you just showed by example what it looks like. 
you're a gift. Don't forget that. What you did for them was amazing. So I feel very privileged that I got to be a part of that process. Thank you for including me there. Yeah, thank you. I That was really cool. That was really cool. So thank you. Yeah. All right, guys, man, thank you again for listening. Go add me on Instagram. Go add my guest on Instagram. Remember, I'm Robert Lude. Hashtag Inspiration Nation. Please go rate and review this. Check out Tyler Michael Chauncey on Instagram. I love you guys. Please share this with someone. Be a hero and share this with a loved one I would very much appreciate it um hit me up on Instagram or social media or wherever you find me let's keep the conversation going and just remember you're loved and I'll talk to you guys soon <laughs>